This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who've tuned in to watch today. Let me thank you for tuning in. Please stay tuned for the next little while as we discuss the subject of worship. Worshiping God, it matters how you worship. I know we live in a time where people say, it really doesn't matter what you do, so long as you do something. It matters how you worship. So let's stay tuned as we discuss that today. Now on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course, and I emphasize the course is free. And let me urge you to to stay tuned to learn more about the course and to learn how you can receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to be reading now from the fourth chapter of John's Gospel. I'm going to begin reading in verse 19. And in John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to the uh, Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. You Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what... We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. What does it mean to worship? Well, worship means to praise, to adore, to bow down. God is seeking worshipers. Notice the text again. The hour is coming now is when the when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and the truth, the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is looking for worshipers. And not only is God seeking for those who will worship Him, who will praise Him, who will adore Him, who will have hearts filled with gratitude for all that He has done for them, 
But God, we're told in this text, is looking for a certain kind of worshiper. True worshipers. Notice it again, verse 23. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers, the true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Seeking what? True worshipers. And to talk about a true worshiper or true worship is to also suggest that there is otherwise than true worship. That there might be a false worship. That there might be a worship that would not be in spirit and in truth. To, to talk about a worship that might not be acceptable worship to God. You see, all worship is not true worship. No, no, all worship is not true worship. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus talked about worship. And he talked about the kind of worship that people were rendering, but it was not true worship. Jesus in verse 8 and 9 of Matthew 15 said, In vain do they worship me. Teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. When we began to teach the commandments and the doctrines of men, regardless of what age we might be living in, and regardless of what man-made doctrine or what man-made commandment it might be, then any worship that is based upon the doctrines and the commandments of men is rendered a useless worship or a vain worship. So there's vain worship. Another kind of worship is a, an ignorant worship. And when Paul came into the city of Athens in the 17th chapter of Acts, Paul was amazed because he saw the city given over to idolatry. Some have said that it was easier to find a God in Athens than it was a man. They were so plentiful. And as Paul came into the city, he said, As I passed by and beheld your devotions... I saw an idol with this inscription to the unknown God. Him, therefore, whom you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. So obviously from this passage, we learned there's such thing as an ignorant worship. Well, they had erected an idol to, with this inscription to the unknown God. Some suggest that meant that that there might be a God that they were unaware of. They didn't want to leave out a deity. So they just had an, an, an idol to, to honor a God that they might not even know about. And in fact, there was a God they didn't know about. And Paul declared the true God of heaven to them. Ignorant worship. Ignorant worship. There's also a worship that is called will worship. In Colossians, the second chapter, Paul said, If you've risen with Christ, why is the Lord living, living in the world? Are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and the doctrines of men, which indeed show a wisdom in will worship. Will worship. Somebody says, what is will worship? Will worship is a self-imposed worship. Self-imposed worship. Will worship is humanly 
devised worship and humanly devised worship is not true worship. You see, worship should be divinely authorized worship. If we worship God in spirit and truth, according to divine truth, it cannot be will worship. Unfortunately, there are those who have devised means of worship that God has never authorized to be used in worship. And hence, that's a will worship. And then another kind of worship, as we learn from John 4, 23, is true worship. The hour is coming now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeking such to worship Him. So that such a thing is true worship. We, we have a lot of examples in the Bible where people worship, but God did not accept their worship. I'm, I'm thinking about something that happened in the very beginning of time, and that was the offering of Cain and Abel. And they were worshiping. But one man had his offering accepted, and the other man had his offering rejected. Over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, and verse number 4, we read about the offering made by Abel. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. Hence one man had his offering accepted, the other man had his offering rejected. So all offerings that we give to God, all worship that one re renders is not accepted of God. I think about another case in the Old Testament. We read about that in the book of Leviticus, the 10th chapter, verses 1 and 2. And this is the story about the sons of Aaron. Their names were Nadab and Abihu. And there came a time that Nadab and Abihu offered strange fire on the altar. And as a result of offering strange fire on the altar, God took their lives. When you say their worship was rejected, someone says, well, what does that mean, strange fire? One translation renders that not strange fire, but unauthorized fire. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what it was. It was fire that God had not authorized to use. I guess you could say that one fire wasn't just as good as another fire. It had to be the fire that God said to use. And as a result of offering something that was unauthorized, God rejected what they did. So their worship was rejected. And then I think about a husband and wife of whom we read in Acts the fifth chapter. That their names were Ananias and Sapphira. They had some land, they sold it. And they brought the price of that land and they kept back some of the money for themselves. 
But when they laid the money down at the feet of the apostles, they said it's all. And yet they lied about it. They lied to God. They lied to the Holy Spirit about it. So you see, their giving was an act of worship to God. And as a result of their lying to God and lying to the Holy Spirit about what they were giving, God took their lives. You see, what they did was not acceptable in the sight of God. In the Old Testament, again, we read about the children of, of God in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah chapter 1, and what they were offering to God and how God was so displeased with it. Listen, beginning uh, about verse number 12. Well, go back up to verse number 11. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? Says the Lord, I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams, the fat of fed cattle. I do not light in the blood, delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. And here's the reason. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hates. They are, they are a trouble to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, that is in worship, I'll hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Here's the reason. Your hands are full of blood. They had sinned, and their sin kept God from hearing and, and honoring their worship. So all worship is not acceptable to God. But there is a question I want us to think about. Why do we worship God? Well, one of the reasons we worship God, and I think the main reason we worship God, is because He's God. Because God is worthy of being worshipped. Well, when you think about who He is, when you think about what He has done for mankind, why should we not want to worship Him? When we recognize that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, James 1.17, why should we not want to fall down and worship before Him? Why do we worship? Well, first of all, we do not worship in order to please the worshiper. You see, worship is not about the worshiper. Worship is about God. It is about God. We do not come together in an assembly to worship, to be entertained. Sometimes there are so-called worship services that have a concert-like atmosphere. Is that something that's pleasing to God? Is that something that's causing people to be closer to God? Or just are their emotions being revved up a little bit? And worship is not simply a social gathering. Now, there's a social aspect to it for sure. 
But it's far more than that. You see, when we come together as God's people, we come together to worship God. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him. See, we come together to, to give our obeisance, our adoration, our praise, our gratitude, and our love to God. I like Psalms chapter 95 and verse 6. He says, worship and bow down. Worship, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. When we realize that God is our Maker, that everything we are, that everything that we ever hope to be is because of God, I think that passage will be more meaningful to us. Let us worship, let us bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. You see, when we come into a place of worship, a gathering together to worship God, we're coming into the presence of God Himself. I think about Isaiah's call to the prophetic office in the sixth chapter of Isaiah. And he said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, sitting on a throne, and His train filled the temple. Can you imagine how Isaiah must have felt when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, being in the presence of God? You see, when we come together to worship, we come but to, for the, in the presence of God Almighty. And we come to acknowledge His goodness, His greatness, and we come to praise His holy name. We come to give thanksgiving and gratitude and adoration for His marvelous grace toward man. How could we ever, ever not want to worship a God who's been so good to us? He gave His royal gem of heaven. He gave Jesus, the bright and the morning star. He gave the one who's called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, to die for the sins of the whole world. How could we not want to worship a God who has done so much for us? I've known of people who say, well, you know, Brother Lambert, when I go to church, I just don't get anything out of it. I just don't get anything out of it. Well, I think that is an indicator of how you really feel about God. And it is not an indictment of the church. It's not an indictment of the preacher. It's not an indictment of the song director. It's not an indictment of anyone other than yourself. You see, if you get nothing out of a service, my question is, what have you tried to put into it? I've always heard nothing in, nothing out. You see, our worship is where we come together in the presence of God and we are not the spectators. 
Worship is not a spectator sport. Absolutely not. I, I see people sometimes, they come, they sit down, they never sing. They, they act as though they're bored. I've actually seen people go to sleep while I'm preaching, and maybe some of the sermons I preach would put you to sleep. But they seem so bored. They're not excited to be there to worship God, to study the Bible together. They're bored to death, to tell you the truth. You know, over in the book of Malachi, we read about some people who got bored like that. And there was a reason that they were bored. They, they, they had been offering to God for sure. But they were giving to God the sacrifices of the less than the best. They were offering to God things that were blind and the lame and the sick. And God did not accept those sacrifices from those people. Listen to verse number 12. But you profane it, talking about God's name and the worship of God. And that you say the table of the Lord is defiled. Its fruit, its food is contemptible. But you also say what a weariness and you sneer at it. In other words, they were bored. They were tired of, of worshiping. And you bring the, here's the reason, you bring the stolen, the lame, the sick, thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord, but cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and it takes a vow, but sacrifice to, to the Lord what is blemished. For I'm a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. What these people really did, and the reason they were so bored, they made their religion cheap. They put nothing into it. And as a result of putting nothing into it, they got nothing out. And it was not pleasing to God. We sometimes talk about going to church. Going to church. Have you ever used that expression? I know I have. But we need to stop going to church. And we need to start going to worship. Going to worship. Realizing that we have a God in heaven who deserves our worship. When we assemble together as God's people to worship, there are several things to keep in mind. Number one, our worship should be done in an orderly way. It should be done orderly. In 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, there, there was this problem in the Corinthian church that brought on some, some confusion in the worship service. While one person might be doing one thing, there would be somebody else in that service doing something else. Just for the sake of illustration, let me say it like this. While one man is praying, another man might be standing up reading the Bible. And Paul, in an effort to correct that kind of situation, said that all things should be done decently and in an orderly way. I am convinced that our service should show respect for God. 
And we need to have services that are done in an orderly fashion. And what we need to do when we come together is rather than looking at the little babies that are sitting close to us or, or, or rather than looking at the new dress that some lady has on that you've never seen before or, or, or rather than criticizing the way the song leader is directing the service, what we really need to do is to focus on the reason that we're there. And we're there to worship God. When we sing, we need to remember why we're singing. Paul in Ephesians 5, 19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. We're singing unto the Lord. We're doing this to praise God. And then when we pray, we, we need to focus on the fact that we are approaching the throne of a holy God. Hebrews 4.16 says we can approach that throne boldly. And when we approach the throne of God in boldness, we can ask for help in time of need. Another thing to focus on when we come together to, to worship is when we gather around the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper. Early Christians observe the Lord's Supper on a weekly basis. Churches of Christ observe the Lord's Supper every Lord's Day. Every Lord's Day, every Sunday. But why do we do that? Do we do it out of tradition? Do, do we do it just to fill up time in our service? Do, do we do it in order that we might involve more people, giving them an opportunity to, to serve the audience, the communion? Why do we do it? And Jesus said in Luke twenty-two nineteen, You do this to remember me. Worship. Worship. Worship God. Revelation 22, verse 9. I, I want to thank you for watching today. If you're not a New Testament Christian, may I urge you to become one by believing on Jesus, by, by repenting of your sins, confessing faith in Christ, being baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. You can meet with God's people on the Lord's Day, worship in spirit and in truth. In the closing moments, may I give you a personal invitation to, to visit with the Church of Christ in your community. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.